What's going on, everybody? Welcome on in to the OBR Monday Rewind, where we look back at, oh, just thinking about it, where we look back at what the Browns did this last weekend, and we talk about it. We get our feelings out there, and we let you come in and get your feelings out there, and that's going to be the kind of episode this Monday Rewind is here on the OBR, uh, where we're going to kind of throw everything by the wayside. Normally, we've been doing kind of that five-minute segment, and we push it along, and we're having a quick hitter type thing. We're throwing that all by the wayside. We're going to get all of our – we're airing it out. This is like the Festivus of the Cleveland Browns season right here. We're airing our grievances here on this episode of the Monday Rewind. So if you're joining us in the comments, make sure you are active. Make sure you are part of the show because we will bring you in as much as possible through this show as we kind of go through it and get through our feelings about what happened in the Browns' loss to the Dolphins yesterday. Again, before we get into the show, you are listening to this or watching this on the OBR streaming network, whether you're watching us on Twitch or YouTube. Thank you for doing that and welcome on into the show. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and make sure you are following the OBR on all the social media channels and on the OBR's website where you can read awesome stuff by both the gentlemen on the show with me here tonight. And again, uh, where you can just kind of see everything we got going on with the OBR as well. It is the best coverage you're going to find of the Browns out there. Uh, so make sure you are following the OBR. Joining me tonight, first of all, uh, we're going to save we're going to save the legend this time. I'm going to reverse the order. I'm going to reverse the order. We're going to go with the mini legend. I don't remember what we called you, Cody. I don't remember what we called you. But we're going to bring in Cody Sook. Cody, what's going on, man? The, maybe it's the sorry excuse for a legend. Maybe we go with something like that. You know, I can't. That's the SE legend. This is the legend. So, so. <laughs> you know, Cody, cheers, buddy. Cheers, pal. Hey, cheers. I've got a uh, bush light here and my mm. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation commemorative cup. I've got a set of three for my wife. Learned the lesson to not put these in the dishwasher. All this just comes right off. So. Yeah, right. yeah, you will You will now just have a pint glass. So now I have one left that actually has all the lettering on there. You know, cheers to another fantastic Browns outing. I, uh, I tried to be topical with my drink tonight and I yeah. forgot that I had this. And now that I'm holding it, it's freezing cold uh, because it was in my freezer and I forgot I had it. Uh, big Game of Thrones guy over here. I love yes. Game of Thrones. So when Johnny Walker came out with White Walker, Ooh. the blended Scotch whiskey uh, with the Game of Thrones, I mainly did this because these guys are dead, just like the Browns. And so in one episode, right? All that build up, all those seasons, you know, they cut them off in like 27 minutes. Boom, yeah. done. You know what? Uh, I, Unpopular opinion. I like the way that did. Uh, uh, so yeah, that's that's we're going. Let's do a whole Scotch show whiskey. about that sometime. Yeah, and listen, <laughs> I like the people are joining in the in the ad, telling us what they're drinking. Dragon's milk wheat or white stout is really good. I like that. Uh, well, you're gonna need those drinks tonight. You're gonna need those drinks. So Cody, good to have you in. And joining us, the legend himself. It's Fred Greetham. Fred, welcome on into another Monday Rewind. Oh, I gotta unmute Fred. Hold here, on. there he goes. There he is. Hey, Fred. Glad to be here. Yeah. Yes. He says with all <laughs> the enthusiasm. With you people. <laughs> Fred, I hope your water is extra watery tonight. Is extra ice cubes. I can see. I is can see. There's, there's like 42 ice cubes in that glass tonight instead of like 20. It really loaded that that bastard up. You know, in these steel turvises, the ice stays in it for like a month. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's, it's amazing. It doesn't... I believe that turns it into, well, you know what? You drink a uh, uh, month, month old ice and it, does that ferment? <laughs> it's basic science. It has to. <laughs> yeah, right. That's exactly so. it. 
Uh, guys, like I said, we're going to switch things up. And again, the comments are already going crazy. OG Philly wants to fight. He was already, Philly was fighting Andrew on, on Twitter before. Uh, Manimal's drinking some good bourbon. Paul nice. Spencer agrees with me on uh, Game of Thrones. So now I kind of have to rethink my, my philosophy there mm. on that. But again, get in the comments. We're going to bring your comments in all throughout the show. And again, we're kind of, uh, Amatora wants to nuke the defense. We're kind of nuking the schedule of the show. And we're just going to talk about this Cleveland Browns team because we talked about it uh, last week after the bye. You had a great game against the Cincinnati Bengals. You felt like, okay, maybe that's what this team needed to really ex- propel themselves into what we're all hoping for, which is even with a backup quarterback and knowing that and knowing you're not going to have Deshaun Watson for 11 weeks, getting to a point where you can compete for a postseason berth towards the end of the season once Deshaun Watson gets back. And you knew how important this Miami Dolphins game was going to be for this team to try to propel themselves into that. And instead, the team came out listless, hopeless, like like a baby before it learns to walk. The thing's just rolling around. That's what the Browns did out there yesterday. They just kind of rolled around for a while. The Miami Dolphins bullied the Cleveland Browns. Absolutely beginning to, well, maybe not beginning to end. The Browns look great at the beginning. Otherwise, after that first drive, they got pushed around like the Miami Dolphins were the 86 Bears, like they were the, the undefeated Miami Dolphins teams of old. They shoved this Cleveland Browns team around for the entire game, and the Dolphins absolutely crush the Cleveland Browns and crush a lot of people's hopes for this season. Guys, I'm just going to start with this. And again, this isn't going to be like question and answer format. So I really want to just talk to you guys about this. I want to let you guys flow uh, about it, but here's what I do want to start with. I want to let everybody get this. I want you guys to be able to get it off your chest. Okay. I want you to get how you're feeling about the Cleveland Browns right now after what you witnessed yesterday in Miami off your chest and I'll let you I'll let you start Fred I'm just going to give you the floor and again you're a guy that you're you're a beat writer for the team you you write such good thoughtful in-depth stuff on the team but I want you to to have a chance to get the emotion out on this how are you feeling after what you watched from the Cleveland Browns yesterday well I said it before I'm kind of numb to this stuff I've seen so much disappointment you know it's it's just but we're what I feel I'm starting to get, I just feel like this organization, especially the coach down, that the players, the team takes on his demeanor, his um, personality. There's no fire. There's no emotion. There's no sense of urgency. It's just we're disappointed. We're on to the next thing. You're going to bench a guy and you bench a guy for one play um you know you just kind of want to that was a game to light into your team and say doggone guys the season's on the line here why do you not come to play you know you come out with a scripted offense and it seems like that's I don't know what the study is but Stefanski can draw up 15 plays and it works like a charm the rest of the game it's like crap the other team figures out how to counter it and they never can change with that said the defense you know was right back to where they started I said this on a couple uh terrestrial radio shows yesterday on their kickoff pregame show 
I said, look, the possibility here is that the Browns are spending so much effort on the Dolphins passing game that the Dolphins will come in there and run it right down their throat like the Chargers did when they came in ranked at the bottom and rushing and put up 238 on the Browns. That's exactly what happened. They didn't even need their passing game yesterday because the defensive line and the, the, the defense against the run game was pathetic. I'm just like, I don't know how you could ignore it. And I guess this is be my rant. We talked about this all off season. Why can't you get a Sheldon Richardson or Nadama Kasu or somebody that can tackle and stop the run? Why in the world do you think these undersized defensive tackles can stop NFL players? The Falcons, Arthur Smith, I credit him. He said, you know what? I'm going right at those guys. I'm going right at them with a guy nobody ever heard of. And they ran it right down the Browns' throats. Since then, everybody's done it. The Browns played well against the Bengals. You thought, okay, they figured it out. And they went right back to the same old crap. So, you know, if you can't play with urgency, when you see the light at the end of the tunnel of Deshaun Watson returning in three games and you're trying to stay alive, I don't know what's going to light a fire under you. Guys, this comment just came through from Amatora One on Twitch, and I think it's great because it is – how many times have we said this 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 season? It, the comment is, if you'd have told me they would hold Waddle and Hill to under 100 yards total, I would have said that's a victory. We How many times have we said that? If you would have told me that they would have held Justin Herbert to X, then they would have won. If you would have told me that they would have held Marcus Mariota to seven completions in a game, then they would have won. If you would have told Mark me they would have held – what? Yeah, if you would have told Mark me that they would have held Mark Andrews catches. to zero catches and Lamar Jackson to like 160 total yards in a game, I would have told you they would have won. They lost all those games. They lost all those games, and it, and, it, and it wasn't like a defensive victory. That's the thing. They didn't hold. Let's not make any mistakes. They didn't hold Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill to under 100 yards. The Miami Dolphins just didn't have to throw to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. They didn't have to go to him. Just like Marcus Mariota didn't have to throw more than seven times because you let their backup and their backups backup run a million times on you. Uh, Justin Herbert didn't have to do anything crazy in that game because Austin Eckler just ran it down your throat the whole time. It's not that they're stopping these guys, right? It's that these teams are looking at the Browns going, okay, like the pathway to victory is to just give the ball to the running back and let them go. And there's nothing the Browns can do. These teams are doing nothing. Cody, I'm going to let you get to your rant in a second. But I yeah. love this comment. These teams aren't doing anything special. And it's it's almost it's almost unfair to these other teams to act like the Browns held anybody to anything. They didn't hold them to anything. They just had, they didn't, these teams didn't have to go to things that they <laughs> typically need to do to win. They just were able to ease their way through a game and dominate the Browns. That's tough. That's that is so bad. I would much have rather I would much rather have lost to the Miami Dolphins knowing that Tyreek Hill was just unstoppable out there. Knowing that Jalen Waddle, you just couldn't contain him. And nothing nobody had, there was nothing you were gonna do. I'd much rather have lost to the Miami Dolphins that way, as opposed to the two running backs that are fine. I mean, Jeff Wilson's a pretty good running back. I mean, Mostert's okay. 
to let them run around like they're Walter Payton out there, I would have way rather have seen Tyreek Hill destroy us than what we saw yesterday. Cody, I'll let you. I'll let you go. I'll let you go. Well, how you're? How you're? How you feeling today? What? What do you want to rant about with the Browns? That's pretty good till about right now. <laughs> but overall, no, no. There's nothing more demoralizing as a coach, as a player, as an analyst, as a fan, than just watching a team get demolished by a run game. And we're not talking like four and a half yards of carry, five yards of carry. We're talking seven yards of carry. Just these running lanes, they're as wide as the Amazon. You know, Fred could have ran for 80 yards in that game yesterday. Well, it was an absolute joke. You, we're, well, selling maybe 80, 80, 40. we're selling Fred short on 80 yards? I think Fred's yeah, right. going for 120. But it's, 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 you have your defensive tackle in the backfield and the, and the running backs two yards downfield already, not having no clue what he's doing. <laughs> and, and that interior of the defensive line, I believe in Stefanski. I believe in Deep Podesta. I believe in Andrew Barry. But what that front office and this coaching staff did, that interior defensive line is inexcusable. Just like Fred said, Sheldon Richardson and Dalmakin Sue. If they're an average play at that position right now, it's a completely different defense. There is a very valid argument that this is the worst defense in football right now. Overall, against the pass, against the run overall, I think they're 31st in EPA per play uh, across all defenses. Only the Lions are worst in EPA per play. And you look at that defense, these aren't nameless gray faces, just dudes they pulled off the street on this defense overall. You got Miles Garrett, you got Denzel Ward, JOK, John Johnson, Grant Delpit, Greg Newsom. The list goes on and on. Javen Clowney of players that are pro ball level, level, all pro level players that nobody's just making a play. It's an embarrassment. It's it, it's demoralizing. It's humiliating. There's no urgency. Uh, there was zero effort. And that's the thing that gets me the most is effort. I don't care if you're not the best athlete on the field. If you can't make an explosive play, if you can't make it at all these interceptions or break up the passes, at least give some effort. You know, that shows a serious lack of character. If you're out there just pumping around like a freaking toddler at T-ball practice, right? You got blades of grass in your hand, just throwing them up. I don't care what happens on this next play. Just let it go. We're already getting our butts kicked. Let's keep this butt kicking going. And that's where it really bothers me is with the level of talent compared to the output and the production we see from the defense. Heck, the offense is still top 10 EPA per play, which it could be percent. They're still sitting right there. They're doing their job. It's the exact opposite of what we expected for this team coming into this season. It was going to be, okay, defense, you got to step up, keep teams to 24, 22, 20 points or less. Offense, just hold on and try to get there. And it's the exact opposite this year. The offense is doing their job for the most part. The, deep, the running game was shut down yesterday, but that's what teams are going to do. They're going to sell out to stop Nick Chubb and see if you can throw the ball on them. Uh, but, I mean, it's this kudos to Mike McDaniel. That way he had a great game plan. He said, hey, we don't need Waddle and Hill. These guys everybody's talking about, how explosive our pass game is. We don't even need those guys this week. We're going to send Jeff Wilson and most of between the tackles, and we're going to take you down. It, it I, I don't know what you do. Uh, outside, I tweeted about yesterday. There's a very real chance that 50% of these defensive starters aren't on this roster next year. Um, there's minimal cap effect of that across the board of getting rid of some of these guys. That starts with your coordinator. You got you got a you got a different scheme. You need better personnel at certain positions. And it's something Jake's talked about before. Say if you do let go Joe Woods today, that's not going to really fix anything. You still have personnel issues on that well, side of the ball. But, but let's it talk might. about it. 
Let's yeah. talk about that for a minute because I think that's a good point, and and I don't mean to cut you off, and I do want to bring no, us back fine. up. I want to bring us back up with something. I don't know if Super Surge is talking about us or the people in the chat, but like, oh, what a nice thing to say in the chat. Let's bring the positive vibes too. Thank you guys for being one of the reasons I continue to stop what I'm doing and watching this train wreck every week. I don't know whether that's the thing you should be thanking anybody for, to be honest with you, Super Surge, but those are really nice words, and we appreciate it. So here's here's my question, guys. I don't know a lot of guys out there right now that are going to stand up and defend Joe Woods. After what this defense has failed to do, I don't know a lot of people that are going to stand up and defend Joe Woods. Whether you think this is entirely his fault or not. Here's the thing, though. A lot of times when people are saying, fire Joe Woods, the response from some people is, well, what's that going to solve right now? And in my opinion, the answer to that is probably nothing probably not going to do anything right now it's probably not going to make one change on this team other than one thing and i think it's one of the biggest things that the cleveland browns are missing right now and fred i'll I'll let you respond to this does it not show some level of there's going to be accountability on this team if you come in and don't do your job if you aren't putting results out there if if the people you the men you are coaching if we've got questions about their effort if we got questions about them even knowing that they should be where they're supposed to be, and you're the guy that's responsible for those guys, you're that coach on that side of the ball, doesn't it show the players on the team, listen, there's accountability here. You guys just lost your coach's job. Doesn't that have some motivation? It may not do anything for this year, but doesn't it set a little bit of a tone for what these guys are going to be like moving forward? I think so, absolutely, and that's where – you know, when Greg Williams was here, we saw, you know, what he did with the same roster and he just changed some things, primarily discipline. Now, I'm not advocating for totally everything that was going on, but as far as it just seems like it's like, well, the line I hate the most is, well, the other team gets paid too. I don't care about the other team getting <laughs> yeah. paid. You know, you, you have... You know, and I'm maybe I fall into this trap, but I felt like this was one of the best rosters I've ever covered in 30 years covering this team. You look at Miles Garrett, Jadavian Clowney, both former number one overall picks, JOK, you know, Denzel Ward, Greg Newsom, Grant Delpit, John Johnson. I know they've had injuries, but I'm looking at that and I'm like, how are they so bad? Was everybody wrong on every one of these guys? No, they don't seem to have them in the right fits or the right scheme because I tell you, Bill Belichick gets guys that I never heard of anybody on his defense, but maybe one or two guys, and they're always good. They always shut teams down or figure it out to to be competitive and and. I like Joe Woods a lot. I mean, he comes in and talks to us every week. He's a really good guy. And you hate to see anybody get fired. He'll get another job. But as far as I just don't know how long you go. Last year, we saw this team turn it around. Was it they really turned it around or they were playing really bad quarterbacks and bad teams in the second half of the season? And they ended up, you know, holding teams to 16 points or less. They seem to have a value on how many yards they give up. They're always talking about that and points, but I agree with you. We thought the defense would hold opponents to about 20, 22 a game, yeah. and the offense would outscore them. 
And that's not been the case this year. Last year, the offense couldn't stop anybody or couldn't score enough to win. It's just the opposite this year. So I think you got to shake it up. You cannot just say, well, we all got to do better. You get the same results. That's madness if you do the same thing over and over. Well, Cody, let's talk about let's talk about that accountability thing, though, for a minute, right? Because we're talking about the coaches right now. But I think the same thing needs to be said and the same conversation needs to be had with the players. Again, I'm not here to spread speculation, but I don't know why Grant Delpit was benched, but he was benched for a play. What the hell does that do? You got benched for one play? You're not the starter. What is that supposed to embarrass him? The kid's not in high school. Like, he's not embarrassed. He didn't play one play and a half. I guarantee you, 80% of the fans watching the game didn't have a clue that he got benched for one play because who's who's paying that close attention? I didn't notice. Nope. It wasn't even a thing I even looked at. But it's the, it's the other thing. Now there's this, now there's a lot of conversation from people that are plugged into the team saying from team sources, and they're putting this out there on things like Twitter, that this team is unfocused. You are, Perry on Winfrey got deactivated before the game. He wasn't even dressed. And, and the, the, the conversation around that is Perry on was, that was a, that was a disciplinary action. Now we've got guys that are getting, you got Delpit getting benched for a play for God knows what up, uh, what for. You got Perry on Winfrey, who, again, hadn't even played well, so I don't know that it was a big loss for the team. But uh, he's getting deactivated before the game because, what, his head's not in it because he's out there doing things that are against team policies? So, again, it's it's all the way from the top to the bottom. The accountability, how do you how do you create it, Cody? How do you create accountability? How do you create a system where these guys know? Because Perrion's the guy that pisses me off more than anybody, I'll be honest with you. Because yeah. – he came into a really bad defensive tackle room, right? And there's opportunities there. Seize that opportunity. You should have been a starter week one. And you're not even that great. But you should have been a starter week one because of how bad that defensive tackle room is. And instead, they can't even get him on the field because they don't trust him enough. How do you create an environment with this team where guys know, I, I need to come in and compete and I need to be focused or else I'm, I'm not going to be a part of this. I don't know what they need to do. I think you set rules. You're strict with the rules, and you're consistent with the rules. If if team speculate, say team curfew, team curfew is eight p.m. Guy shows up at nine thirty p.m. You don't play. I don't care what your name is. You, if 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 you set somebody for one play, you're sending a message to the team. It's oh, well these rules don't mean really mean anything. We said eight p.m. That this is not what happened. By the way, people, I'm just saying saying this a scenario. You said 8 p.m. I came at 9.30. Oh, I can sit out for a play. I don't care about one play. He was the top-graded player on the team yesterday, by the way. So it, 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 anybody said it motivated him, no, he just played a good game. But when you say you're only going to penalize somebody for a play, a whole half, okay, I can see a half. That shows a little bit of a message. A full game, now you know. We're not messing around. These are our team rules, and you have to be consistent with it. Think about when you're raising a toddler or when you're raising a kid, teaching them how to do certain things. You have to be consistent with your rules. Mom and dad are both on the same page. If you're the Browns, Andrew Barry, uh, Stefanski, Woods, Van Pelt, all on the same page, consistent with our rules, consistent with the enforcement of those rules, and see what happens from there. You can't – if the penalties don't mean anything, who cares? If there's no negative repercussion for your actions, who cares? You can do whatever you want. I'll be there tomorrow, and I'll play. And then mentioning Winfrey, okay, whatever. The dude's not going to be on this team next year, most likely, but based upon the trajectory of what he's doing. This isn't the first time we've heard that this year. He, just like you said, came into a room to talk about opportunity. 
you have a chance to step in as a fourth round pick, a guy not many people thought highly of as, from a physical attribute perspective, and you could have started day one. But instead, maybe you're out clubbing in Miami the night before a game or doing whatever the hell you're doing outside the field instead of being focused on the task at hand, which is to be a professional football player and try to make a name for yourself, make a living for yourself and living for your family. So you have to set the rules, um, enforce the rules on a consistent basis, and make mm-hmm. these penalties something more strict than just sitting out of play. Uh, I don't know what Delpit did. I don't know what Winfrey did. We've seen, we've read the speculation across Twitter and people talking about it, but but it's a joke uh, across the board for these guys to be doing this. And if, if, if your character is that bad that you care more about going out, getting drinks or hitting on chicks or whatever the heck you're doing instead of playing a football game, then it's a complete joke and you shouldn't be on the team. But it sounds like it. it sounds just, like, oh, go ahead, Fred. Well, I'll just say one thing. You know, on Winfrey, he was, he did miss Wednesday and Thursday last week due to illness. So, you know, he wasn't that high in standing. So he came back Friday. So it might have been, that's why he wasn't inactive. You know, I didn't hear anything else that he was doing other things. But the point is, yeah, he's not doing, he's not good enough to just, you know, show up and be active. That's why they signed Roderick Perry to the active roster. They actually cut him today. So it's, neither <laughs> of them are very good, but playing. No, but I love, good. I love, but I will. Just, s- I love that you said that because Brad reported, Brad Stainbrook reported yesterday that Perry was told that this was probably something that is going to be like a, a more long-term season long signing. <laughs> they cut him today. Yeah, it was a one That's day signing. That's a rough go. That's a rough go. <laughs> Thanks for the effort. You know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to cut you off, right? Go ahead. <laughs> No, I was just saying, I threw that in there just because that could have been, you know, part of the win free. Okay. You know, you, you can't afford to miss any time you miss two days. You're not playing, you know, you're not Jadavian Clowney or, or Garrett or whatever. But with that said, the point's taken, these guys, you know, don't have too many signals sent to them. I mean, like you said, one game or one play and all it was called was a team issue. And, once pressed about it, he just Stefanski just said, "No, you know that we're not talking about it." So it could have been he didn't have his, you know, he didn't have his chin strap, you know, ready to for the kickoff. I don't know, but but there has to be uh, there has to be something that happens in that there has to be something in that that happens in that locker room because it's not it, it while I don't know exact details when enough people are reporting something and enough people with contacts are reporting something. There's some, if there's smoke, there's a little bit of fire at least. And there is, there are reports that there are, and they, there are names of guys that we like. There are names of guys that we're not even going to bring up here because we like them that are supposedly out every night in downtown Cleveland, out partying out. And listen, there's got to be a fine line, right? I'm the last person that's going to be like, no, a 22 year old, 23 year old, 25 year old shouldn't be out having a good time, especially when they got millions of dollars and they shouldn't be out partying. I'm the last person that does that. But there's there has to be a lesson there, and doesn't that's got to come down, guys? I think one of the things that we were looking for, and I do want to get to a, a comment from Paul Spencer here soon. But I think one of the things we're also looking for is where's the clubhouse leadership? Where are the other? We can talk about the coaches all we want, but where are the guys in that locker room to say, "All right, guys, like I know you're going out, I know you're having fun, but you're showing up pretty rough to work the next day. You're looking pretty rough. You're looking like you were out a little bit too long." Maybe go out a couple nights a week. Maybe like hang back back a couple nights a week. Maybe let's not be tearing up the town every single night like we keep hearing about. 
Yeah, where is the, who is him. the yeah. guy? Who is the guy that should be doing that? Where is that guy? Okay. The average NFL span of longevity is 3.3 years. If you want to go beyond that, you have to take it seriously. You're not going out every night. You may not realize that at 22, 23, that this could be a very short-lived thing, but you have to take it as a job, as a profession, and go with it. And this goes back to a thing that's cliche, but you lead by example. Okay, if all the your starters on defense, if four of them are going out every night, the rookies see, oh, this is fine. I can go out every night too. If these guys are doing it, I'm going to do it too, and there's no repercussions, so we can just do whatever the hell we want. I'm going to come into work tomorrow hungover, not be able to do my job to the, to, to the fullest and not to be able to live up to my abilities and perform to my abilities because I'm hungover every day because I went out the night before, three nights in a row. But if, if, if you see the leaders of this defense stay extra, watch the film of the extra hours, go to um, go get rehab with, with the trainers in the facility, stay at the facility, listen to music, play ping pong, whatever the hell you guys want to do to build some camaraderie with your teammates. You lead by example. I don't know what's going on right now. I can't speak to it. I'm not in the locker room. I don't know who the leader are. leaders are, what they're doing. If they're leaving at 4.02 when the day's done, when practice is done for the day, I have no idea. But you must, you got to lead by example and show the younger guys what to do. And I don't know who that guy is right now. Fred, I wanted to kind of direct this from Paul Spencer to you. Uh, and it came way about 10 minutes ago. We were talking about uh, firing Joe Woods. We were talking about, you could throw Mike Prefer into this mix. We were talking about a shakeup in the coaching staff. And I think Paul Spencer made a really, really good point with this comment. He said, he said, yet I think Stefanski, and I'm asking you this, Fred, because you're around Kevin Stefanski and the coaching staff in the locker room. And so you probably get a sense of this as much as anybody says he thinks Kevin Stefanski kind of internalizes this kind of puts all the blame on himself and not on Woods and, and maybe isn't going to be so quick to say, I blame somebody else. Kevin Stefanski seems like a kind of guy that's going to say, I don't want to put the blame on anybody. I'm going to internalize all that. I'm going to take the blame. But where's the fault? Like, there's got to be a fault line there at some point. At some point, you got to not be the nice guy, right? At some point, you got to not be the even-keeled, mild manner guy that everybody loves and say, listen, you're not doing your job. But it, it feels, I think Paul Spencer makes a decent point here. What do you think, Fred? Well, yeah, I always agree with Paul. Oh, not really, but it's a good, it's a good point. But as far as, um, I do think that you know that's how he answers everything, and he is very slow to make changes, and that's why unless he gets a mandate from above, like you're going to be fired unless you fire, you know, kind of like Marty Schottenheimer with his brother if he goes down with the ship after the season, Stefanski is 6-11 in his last 17 games, which would be the last cycle of a season. That's not very – that's territory to be fired on. And especially with the money they're paying and spending on this roster, I believe he he needs to, to see what happens with the franchise quarterback. We're in a lot of this mess right now because of the moves they made, so they owe it to him to show what they can do. And they're hoping, even with a lousy defense, they can outscore teams, a la the Chiefs two years ago. But with that said, um, I, I I don't get any sense that he he's a midseason firing type guy. He's not going to do that because I do believe he feels it's his responsibility. But with that said, he's never really coached at the NFL level, in my opinion, or in my research on the defense.
defensive side. I know he played safety in college, but I don't even know if he feels ready to to step in and take over the defense or if there's anybody on the defensive staff that could be a coordinator. There there are a lot of guys that that have just been position coaches. So I just think that, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. I don't think that they will fire Stefanski. I think that they will ask him to make some moves on, on special teams and and defensive coordinator if it doesn't turn around quickly. But it will be interesting to see if he gives those guys up or if he goes down with the ship and says, look, then fire me, you know. Or I'll well, okay, so, so you just said that. And I want to hear your guys' immediate response to this because Super Surge said this when we brought this up. So, And I don't think Kevin Stepanski would do this by any stretch of the imagination. But in the random event that this happened, if he loves Joe Woods and he doesn't want to coach without him, what if Kevin Stepanski says, you want to fire Joe Woods? You got to fire me. Cody, what's the move? Well, he's not going to do that. He's not going to happen. You got to play the game, Cody. Play the game. If, if if that's the move, I mean, you got to ah, – I don't know. Okay. Oh, let me help you. Uh, let I mean, me help you. I'm, I'm let thinking. me help you. Let me yeah. help you because I love Kevin Stefanski. I really do. I yeah. love Kevin Stefanski. He's an imperfect yes. coach, but he is – I think he is smart enough. I think he knows the game enough. I think he's a good balance of all the things that people love to hate each other for. Like he's really good analytically, but he's also a good football coach. I love Kevin Stefanski. I would like for him to be here for 20 years. I really would. Yes. I really would. But if he said that, he's fired. If he said that's, that, you're fired. That's your opinion. I get, in, in my opinion, okay. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because because that shows weak leadership to me. Yeah, you're, not willing, I think you're not willing to cut the dead weight. You're going to say, you can't, you're going to say, you're going to, first of all, you're going to put me in a position where I got to hold on to somebody that's not performing because you like him. I don't want you around yeah. him. He's not going to do that, by the way. He isn't. You're right, Cody. But if he did, I would say you're gone. You can't be loyal to a fault and you can't want consistency just for consistency purposes. Like we saw these these coaching staffs turn over year after year after year. You've got players from different regimes carrying over into schemes. They don't fit in uh, square peg, round hole type stuff. Um, if, <laughs> if he walks in that room and says, okay, if you want to get rid of him, you got to get rid of me. You got rid of the whole package. You're starting over from scratch with the most controversial player you've ever had traded for in the history of the NFL coming in. Uh, you've got a cap. You've got a maneuver. You've got public relations. You've got a remover. That happens. Good luck to the Browns franchise going forward. Wish you all the best of luck. You're never going to recover. <laughs> Fred, would you would you keep Kevin Stefanski and Joe Woods if, if he gave him an ultimatum? Uh, No. <laughs> you know, I think it's still too premature because I really think it's the last six games. Let's say you're three and eight when when Watson takes over and or even four and seven and Watson goes four and two or five and one, but they play really strong. And then you're saying, OK, we see where this team is going, even with a lousy defense. I think. You know, that Stefanski's back for sure. And then they're going to have a conversation, you know, about defense. Because I guess the silver lining is in all this is that I expect 2023 to still be very good. 
get all this crap out of the way. But the silver lining is, is, is you don't have the defense you thought you had. And so you're going to have to take a really hard look and it'd be a hard sell to say, let's just bring them all back. And I think an, a fresh start will be good. No, I don't think they're going to look at it that way. They don't have a first round pick, but you got to play well. You have to get the momentum turned around so you can go get some free agents in the off season on the defensive side, sell them. Look what happened when we got our quarterback. We're going to be a very good team. You know, this year we all were saying, what about the Melvin Ingrams? What about the, you know, these one year guys, you know, Jerry Hughes and, and Jason Pierre Paul, they got picked up by everybody and they're doing well, you know, and the Browns just sat there and, and went with the guys they had. And so I think maybe this will force them to go get the players, especially on defense that can play. When you talk about leadership and I'll say this, I look at the defense and they really have no leaders. John Johnson is the closest to a leader, but he's outspoken and he got skewered for calling out some of the players, you know, and, and I think some of that led to that shouting match in Baltimore in the locker room because he said, we got to study more. We got to do things or whatever. Miles Garrett is a reluctant leader. He is only talking now because he gets paid so much money and he, but he doesn't, you know, he doesn't just say, get on my shirt tail and follow me type of rah-rah. He's more like, I don't know, it's not my job to, you know, get these other guys going or whatever. I don't see that. Anthony Walker was the guy, but you can't do that when you're on the injury reserve. So they are they are leaderless, I feel, because Denzel Ward is, is a very quiet guy. You know, you can be quiet, but none of these guys really speak out and say, take the reins of leadership. And I don't, I think Deion Jones is too quick, you know, only be here. Garrett's the closest, John Johnson. And so nobody on the team is stepping up and saying, let's plant the flag and let's go. And that's just my opinion. But as far as, that's why I just think that it's too early to talk about firing guys. If the defense just continues to play like they are, then it's going to be a foregone conclusion. I mean, it's, it's the half but the season's as gone. Far as, half the season's gone. Yeah. Frank, I mean, they've been terrible. Mm-hmm. Awful. And it took them, it took them half the season last year to get decent. That's the problem. That's the problem. It took them half the season last year to get decent. And then they regressed to terrible. You, you we've set off a, there's like a firestorm of uh, John Johnson comments, uh, a new person that I don't know. And I don't know how to say this name, uh, but we're just going to roll with it. Uh, uh, once like John Johnson's a great example because this is somebody that was like a stud in for the Rams was a stud was awesome. You brought John. I remember the, I remember exactly where I was when the news broke that we were signing John Johnson. It felt like the last piece to a puzzle that was going to make a really great defense and it wasn't. And he's underperformed. Like a lot of guys have underperformed a lot of these dudes. OG Philly brought up a great comment. We're talking about player leadership. Guys, who who's the maniacal player on defense that, that practices like a madman, that studies like a madman? I think that's a great question from Philly because I don't know that I can answer that. I think like I think guys like Miles Garrett are freak good players. 
But is it? Do I think Miles Garrett? And I think he's a gym rat as far as like working out and being in the gym and staying in shape and all that. But do I think he's that guy that's like you got to drag him out of the facility at night because he just wants to be there with his with his with the playbook and studying the other team and being in film. It feels like a lot of the great defenses, the great teams have those players. But does it seem like this defense has one of those guys? Can you pinpoint somebody to answer Philly's question, Cody? Nope. I don't I don't know who that person is. Uh we we've seen it cause failures for players across the board. Like we talked about earlier, the Justin Gilberts of the world that just don't care. Just come into the NFL, go to practice. Do what you got to do and then don't do anything extra. And then you're out of the league in a couple of years, got your millions for being the number eight overall pick or whatever he was, and you make your way. I don't know if they have that guy. They don't have that. I mean, Peyton Manning is the guy that you all think about with film and Tom Brady with film. Those guys, football is their life, and they dedicate dedicate themselves to their craft every offseason. You know, they're the best in the game. They keep dedicating themselves to be even better, and they got even better as their careers progressed. I don't know who that guy is on the Browns defense right now. If there is any guy on that Browns defense, uh, OG Philly says from all reports, Watson is that kind of player and then on the defense. Yeah. I, I, I think Watson from everything everybody's talking about is he is the leader. So maybe he comes in and things change on both sides of the ball. If he makes guys accountable for it, we'll see. I have no idea what's going to happen with that defense other than almost a near complete overhaul outside of your four or five cornerstone guys that we've talked about throughout, throughout this program tonight. Fred, you're around the team a lot, uh, uh, besides John Johnson, because the problem that John Johnson runs into is that he talks a big game, and he does. He talks, and he says a lot of the, man, when you listen to John Johnson talk, it's like, oh, okay, I kind of like John Johnson. No, I like him. Yeah, yeah. Person, you're like, oh, no, he's a very likable person. A totally likable guy, and he always yeah. seems to say the right things. The problem is when you seem to say the right things, but he did it again in this game. You guys watch Chalk Talk tomorrow, because I'm sure Jake's going to bring it up in Chalk Talk when he's breaking down the film. Again on a run, again on a run play, John Johnson was in position to try to make a tackle and he just ran away from it. It happened again in this game in Miami. The problem is when you talk like that, right, Fred? When you're in the locker room and you're a guy that likes to talk a lot, but you're not backing it up with your play on the field, that is not especially inspiring for the players around you, is it? No, it's not. And, you know, I think that's partly what's wrong with this team, you know, I don't want to throw Andrew Barry under the bus, but when he evaluated Jacob Phillips, they really wanted him to be the guy because of his speed and athleticism. And Anthony Walker was just brought back on a one year as an insurance policy. And he could have went somewhere else because it was just a one year, you know, Hey, you know, second thought. And he basically was their best run defender. And you can see partly how it's fallen apart you know, on that defense after he went down. Sion Taki Taki seems like, you know, a guy who really works hard, but he's an under-the-radar guy that you don't see really as a, okay, somebody, you know, you don't see, you know, him getting a lot of the laurels. He's He doesn't have all the athleticism. But some of these guys like Garrett and Ward and that, I think, just play on their, their freakish athleticism. So, I think that's lacking, you know, is that grab it by the horns, be that leader. You know, I thought maybe JOK would, you know, or Delpit, but maybe they're too young or they don't feel like they've earned their stripes to the point where they can, you know, put up and shut up. So it is, I think Watson will help a lot. 
you know, on the football field, the team really respects him. They talk about him as the leader, even Donovan Peoples-Jones said, even though he can't play for two weeks, coming on and being at practice will lift everybody's moral, you know, or morale <laughs> and, uh, you know, boost them to the Both. point. <laughs> moral hey, there's morale. A whole <laughs> but um, for Odian Slip. But as far as the aspect of lifting everybody up, you know, and he really needs to be that leader. You know, I think that some of the guys that could be leaders are just so quiet. They don't speak up. They let things go. And I don't know. You know, I heard so many of the guys, John, you know, rave about John Johnson and the film and Jake and everything. And they signed him. And it's like, wow, where's this guy been? I'd like to see DeAnthony Bell get a chance. Every time he gets put in on special teams or whatever, he's the first guy down there hammering people. And he, he's got to be better than, than what I'm seeing. I haven't seen anything out of Ronnie Harrison or very little out of, you know, Delpit or Johnson. Throw this kid in there. He, and, and maybe that's the philosophy. The Browns have paid big money to a couple guys. And Belichick seems to get the guys that are hungry trying to get paid. And so they're overperforming. And then if they get the point to get paid, they move on because they're always hungry. And we got guys, I'm not going to say this because I don't know, but maybe John Johnson's like, I'm set. I don't need to take a chance on ruining my life, you know, getting hit, you know, and some, some major injury. I don't know. I don't know why. You know, a guy can be that good, and now you don't even know if he's playing. So, Cody, let's let's do this because we've talked a lot of defense, but frankly, it's the area that's the most frustrating with this team, especially when a team like the Miami Dolphins with two running backs that aren't, uh, I don't know, uh, Jonathan Taylor and Saquon Barkley or whoever you want to name as the best running backs in football this year. It's not who they were running at you. They just dominate you. So I think a lot of this conversation this offseason is going to be we're going to revamp this off or this defense. So let's assume that you're keeping Miles Garrett and JOK and Denzel Ward and uh, uh, Greg Newsom and probably Grant Delpit. Let's assume these are guys you're keeping. Uh, and, and, and you obviously will have other guys like Taki Taki. I bet is still probably going to be around and you know, Martin there's Emerson. no reason to get around yeah. some of those guys, Martin Emerson, for sure. Where, how does this team defensively, and assuming, let's assume they have a new defensive coordinator. What's the style for this defense? What is, how should they rebuild this defense to make it significant? It has to, it doesn't just have to get a little better. It has to get significantly <laughs> better. So what can you do in one off season to take this crap hole of a defense and make it much better for next year? Well, you just got to find guys that are average. If you can just find somebody that just, average that loves the game is dedicated about the game and loves to go out and hit people you'll be fine but i want to see more just aggression i love greg williams is aggressive i love aggressive playing defenses you're going to give out the big play every once in a while but you're not going to let the receiver what are you looking at i mean jabril peppers 48 yards down the field how aggressive is that okay everybody else everybody they did other things up front Peppers was Peppers was playing in Cincinnati. Everybody Peppers else was playing punt in return more than anybody <laughs> in the history of football. God, I'd love to see that guy back in Cleveland. By the way, I know, but, I know, but, but, but anyway, I, I want to see just more aggressive. I don't like seeing 
you saw the Rams. Okay, let's, let's look at their example. The the Rams playing 10 yards off at the end of that game last week. Just give it up. Here's eight yards. Here's seven yards. Just take them. Take the yards and we'll deal with it after that. I can't stand that unless you're playing a team like the Chiefs or a team like the Dolphins. I like being aggressive. I like being in people's faces. I like blitzing. I like being in cover one and press and some cover zero thrown in there if you have the right personnel to do that. And, yeah, I mean, you, you're, you have some cap things with Watson, but you can restructure his contract. You can get rid of some guys that aren't performing where you can create some dollars. You can draft well, hopefully. You can hit some guys at free agency and get some trades. And it's, it just becomes be more aggressive and find some guys that are average. There are people on that defense that probably wouldn't be on another roster in the NFL right now. I don't think that's outrageous to say. There are three, four guys on that defense that probably shouldn't be in the league or maybe on the practice squad, and they're starting for this defense right now. So I think it starts with new defensive coordinator, new scheme, some new personnel, and get those guys to gel. Because right now there's individually some pretty good football players that can't play together. Guys, I do. We talked a lot of defense. I do. I do want to bring one thing up from this Miami game, and and I don't know. You know, I think part of it can just be. I think you can get demoralized on one side of the ball from the other side of the ball, right? Like I think when an offense watches a defense that just gets stomped by Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert, and, and not the big time playmakers of a team, uh, I think offensively that can affect you. However, you saw the Cleveland Browns take the opening kickoff and march down the field. Jacoby Brissett was phenomenal on that drive. Uh, they weren't getting a lot of running plays off, but that was okay. Uh, they they marched down the field. They hit Harrison Bryant for a touchdown. And you're like, all right, this team looks great. The next possession, they're marching the ball down the field again. They were doing it again. You've got the, the patented fourth down QB sneak. They were in exactly what they told you they wanted to be in. The Browns are really good when they're in third and six or under. And they were getting into that, those first two possessions, until Nick Chubb fumbled. And I do, Cody, you're you're a big analytics guy. I would love to know the numbers on what happens in games where Nick Chubb fumbles because it doesn't happen a lot, but it feels like every time it happens, the Browns get crushed in that game. Uh, uh, it's It felt like after that Nick Chubb fumble, the offense just got lost. And, and it was lost until the second half uh, and, and pretty deep into the second half is what that felt like. What's going on with the offense? And and is it is it a byproduct of what the defense is doing out there? And, and now they're just pressing to try to get back in games and they're not playing their natural game? Or is there something deeper? Is there something else that you're noticing? Maybe bad play calls, maybe guys not performing well enough. Uh, why does the offense disappear uh, in parts of the game? Either one of you guys. Is that directed to me? Is, is that directed to Fred? No, I think, if you mean, I mean, I mean, not to discount what you're saying, but I think the offense is fine. I mean, yeah, they're fluttering at times, but you had that Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb fumble when you're going in to score another points. The next drive, I don't remember what happened on the third drive, where they're driving again. They were in, in Dolphins territory. I can't remember what happened. They didn't get points there as well. They went forward on fourth down. Yes. They were on the Dolphins 42, did not get the first down. Was that the which one? That's which it. one did they run the the shotgun run? That was that one. Oh my god! I didn't like that play. That call. was that. That, one. that was the play call I did not like. No, that if, that, if I you're think that was fourth the, and yeah. I want to say third that was one, the third one down. Or less. Yeah, it was, the third down was the shotgun run. 
and oh. the fourth down, and then the that was Kareem Hunt, if I remember, was it? Yeah, that Hunt. Oh, what a bad Hunt way. just got destroyed in the backfield. And it was yes. listen. If it's fourth and one or third and one, third and one, I'm taking shots downfield every single time. Agree. Just like they were yesterday. Agree. Every single time, third and one. Best case scenario, you get a big, big, huge play. Second best case scenario, you get a pass interference. Worst case scenario, second to worst case scenario is an incomplete or a turnover. But fourth and one, I mean, if it's a turnover, it's, it's a it's a punt. Okay, so right. fourth and one, you have the Jacoby Brissett exceptionally great at QB sneaks. That's the only play I'm ever running on fourth and one is Jacoby on a QB sneak. Third and one, I'm throwing it deep every single time, every single time. But instead, they run the shotgun run, which overall running from shotgun is extremely effective. But I don't like it in that in that obvious run third. Yeah, not situation. when they know it's coming. I can't, I can't stand that. That I didn't like that at all. But I thought they were gonna throw actually when I saw he was in shotgun. I was like, well, they're gonna throw this ball and we'll see what happens. But I lost track of what the question was at this point. But I think the offense is performing much higher. They're seventh EPA per play right now, much higher than I expected at this point. But they do flutter in certain situations. I think that that comes back to Jacoby. And I think that's where Watson takes them to the next level. Um, but I, I'm fine with the offense overall. I don't have much to say about them, except that they were absolutely embarrassed, humiliated, and dominated in the trenches yesterday uh, horribly. In the trenches yesterday, but overall, I'm perfectly fine with it. All right, Cody, I'm going to send this Just, right back to you. We're gonna. I want to do one last thing before we get out of here uh, uh, with the Monday rewind. So, Cody, I'm going to send it right back to you. We've talked a lot about the down, and and listen, again, the, the theme of today's Monday rewind is this is the festivus of Monday rewinds. We are airing out the grievances. You guys have been doing it in the comments. You guys have been awesome in the comments all show long. We love you guys. But now let's pull ourselves out of it a little bit. Let's pull ourselves out of it. I want to know why Why are some of the overreactions overreactions? Why are they overreaction? Why Why should Browns fans, we talk so much about, there was there were comments going around in our group today, and you know that's bad because these are the craziest of Browns people in our group today that were, that were going around thinking, oh, what would it be like to, to root for another team? That, that conversation got had. But why shouldn't we? Why, why should we not be doing that? Why, why should there still be optimism? Why should Browns fans still be excited about what's going on with the Cleveland Browns? I'm going first. Yeah. I think you have an elite quarterback for the first time since 1980-whatever. He wasn't even elite. He was just good. (laughs) Sickness. You have an elite quarterback coming to take care of it. It is a sickness. That's fair. You know what? It's It's over. See you guys later. It's like a Taylor Swift album, just toxic from top to bottom, but it's but it's fun, right? But uh, back to you have an elite quarterback coming in for the first time in my lifetime into this football team. First time it's ever going to happen. Very optimistic. Offense, all those guys are coming back next year. All the starters are coming back next year, except maybe Jack Conklin. Everybody else is going to be here, and you see how they're performing. DPJ is taking the next step. Um, you see the defense. I, I, I have faith in Andrew Barry. I have faith in Deep Dust. I have faith in Stefanski to take a real hard look in the mirror and say, we can't proceed like this down the road on the defensive side of the football, or we're never going to be the playoff caliber team consistent basis that we want to be. So I think there's really good things to look for on the offense, and I think they're going to they're do enough on defense to get them to the next year. Stefanski's not going anywhere. If he goes anywhere before you whole whole season with Watson, I don't know what to tell you. He got his one coach of the year two years ago, so let's not forget about that. Yeah, no chance. But uh, I think that the things that are looking up is what's coming. 
Now, if that fails the second half of the season, I'm arms up in the air. Uh, but that's that's my spiel. All right, Fred, come on, your spiel. Give us give us some positive. Oh, yeah, let's go. I'm let's putting go. on the brights. The bright side here is I've told you guys, you know, I since before I wrote about this that they needed to get a franchise quarterback last whatever it is. And there was a couple I suggested that I had higher than Deshaun Watson, but I did have Deshaun Watson as one of three. And I said he would probably be the most likely available because of his situation. And that's who they traded for. You know me. I don't like at all the off the football stuff, but this guy is the best quarterback I've ever seen in my career. When I watched him practice He's light years ahead of Baker Mayfield and some of the stuff we've watched. And this offense has a chance to outscore teams week after week. Even with the debacle yesterday, it could have been a 45-39 game if Watson's playing. And this is no disrespect to Jacoby Brissett, but it's a different offense with him playing. I think you're going to see him move fast pace. And that's why I say the optimism to me is the last six games. If they can show a glimpse of what 2023 will be about, I think it will do wonders for the fan base. It will do wonders for free agency. It will do wonders all the way around. Kind of like a lot of you guys aren't around or weren't old enough to remember 1985. Bernie Kosar's rookie year, you know, they they fumbled around and they ended up eight and eight, but they made the playoffs, kind of backed in, and you didn't expect anything from that team. But you knew that team was on their way. And in 86, 87, 89, they went to the AFC Championship, should have went to the Super Bowl. That's what the end of this season is about, is show us as Browns, fans and people that cover the team that this team is on their way and all the scars of the defense here are out there and I think then all attention will be on the defense to go make the moves because they know the window is short and they need to do whatever to overhaul that defense because as you said the offense should be intact and coming back So there's my optimism, guys. There's a reason to watch this team the last six games, even if they're three and eight and out of the playoffs. Justin, I think I'm out. He pulls me back in. Ah, (laughs) I'm reading these comments. I see like Larry, who we love you, Larry. He's here every week, man. Uh, Larry says he can't help our defense. So, and then Fred goes, boom, but this is how it can help the defense. Puts all the onus on them. Let's go. I, Fred, you could not have said that better. I, and that game yesterday was so miserable. And this is the Monday Rewind. And we look backward. That game was so miserable. You could not have imagined this Cleveland Browns team would have played a game that looked like that this year. But they go that last six games of the year. And they show you what they could look like with Deshaun Watson. When Fred Greetham says Deshaun Watson is far and away the best quarterback he has ever watched practice with this team. That if that doesn't get you going, I don't know what does, man. If that does, Cody, I don't know about you, man. Be, besides the fact that when he said, I don't know if you remember 1985, and I was like, well, I was born. 
Uh, I wasn't so, born yet. I was born the next year. <laughs> I was born that year. Uh, uh, Fred, that was awesome. I, I, I got it's, nothing. Uh, I got nothing that I can say that can beat that. Well, you know, but it's unfair to to think he's going to hit the ground running after 700 days and go six and oh, that's what I'm saying. You know, even the last four games, you know, that maybe he hits his stride. I'm just saying a glimpse is two years ago when the Chiefs went to the Super Bowl, they had a terrible defense, but they were outscoring. Their games were 45, 42. Yes. Watson will play a different level than Brissett. Brissett, we know, is his first. It's methodical, long drives. Watson's boom, boom, boom. They get behind, get in a track meet with the Dolphins. They come right back. Answer. You're not seeing that. This team gets behind. They can't catch up. That's my opinion. I love this. We're going to end with this comment. Philly wants the Browns to go full on Indianapolis Colts and hire Fred as the new defensive coordinator. I'm behind it. I'm behind those shades. The world is your oyster, Fred. I'm behind (laughs) it. As long as you will still play golf with us every once in a while and, and save my short game. As long as you'll do that, then we're good. Look at this. Superman wears Fred (laughs) breathing underwear, not the opposite. I love it. Uh, Listen, uh, guys, this was, this was cathartic to be honest with you. I feel, I feel better to be honest. And I don't get too crazy. But I was feeling a little, I was feeling a little pissed off after yesterday's game. This was cathartic. All your comments were awesome. Fred ending it like that in the shades was awesome. Uh, and and what a fun time we had here on the Monday Rewind. And we got a lot of fun coming at you this week on the OBR. I do want to run through the OBR schedule this week really quickly. Tomorrow, uh, Tuesday nights, we got special two shows on Tuesday nights. Get with Jake Burns. He's doing chalk talk. He's got the all 22. He's got the film from the game. He's going to run us through everything going on with uh with the game uh and where the browns were really terrible and where they could be better and all that kind of stuff so get on chalk talk tomorrow at 7 p.m with jake burns and then at nine o'clock join a couple of idiots including myself join myself join chad join joe it's garage beers podcast nine o'clock tomorrow night where we're going to talk some browns but then we're going to talk some calves and and maybe some guardians maybe some blue jackets maybe some buckeyes all that kind of stuff join us for garage beers tomorrow night bring beer uh, Wednesday, join Fred again. I don't know if he's bringing the sunglasses, but if he does, you don't want to miss it. Join Fred and Barry on OBR Weekly, where they'll bring you into the conversation as they look ahead uh, to the Cleveland Browns this weekend. And then join Cody again on Thursday at 7 p.m. with Andrew Spade for the weekend kickoff. And it all leads up to Sunday. You're going to need an improbable win if you're the Cleveland Browns. But the Cleveland Browns going in against probably a pissed-off Buffalo Bills team in Buffalo that just lost in overtime to the Minnesota Vikings, uh, the Cleveland Browns, the Buffalo Bills coming up this Sunday. We got the pregame show at noon. We got the postgame show right after the game. You don't want to miss a second of it all on the OBR. So that's going to do it for us. Thank you to everybody that joined us in the comments. We love you guys. We appreciate you for joining us, and we appreciate all of your support. Make sure you are subscribed to Twitch or YouTube, wherever you're watching us. Make sure you are following the OBR social media pages, make sure you are subscribed to the OBR's website as well for all the great content that the OBR puts out all the time. That's going to do it for us. For Fred Greetham at Fred Greetham 9 on Twitter. For Cody Sook at Cody Sook on Twitter. I am Michael Keefe at Garage Beers Mike. This has been the Monday Rewind. We'll see you again this time next week. Cheers, everybody, and go Browns. Thanks, guys. Go Browns. <laughs>